0: And um, you'll pardon me this afternoon if we're a little bit brief, more brief than normal. I uh, took a fall Thursday afternoon, and I am in some pretty good pain. And uh, so I struggled through the last service. It's uh, affecting me. Went home and took some more medicine between uh, lunch, and so we'll see how things go. But uh, Galatians 1. And um, let's, go ahead, uh, let's go ahead and read, and then we'll, we'll pray. Beginning in verse number 1, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that calleth you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. For though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now seek, or do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Father, I pray that you'll bless the message and use it as you would see fit this afternoon. And Lord, stir our hearts afresh and new. Lord, I pray that the message of this morning will sink in and will allow us to think about, and pray about, and digest some things. And then, Father, as we continue looking into your word this afternoon, that the uh, stuff we will be looking at today will be uh, something that will strengthen and encourage us in living a life that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen we've read here in the first part of Galatians, there's there's an awful lot there. You could spend hours just going through the first nine verses of the book of Galatians. But I like the fact that the apostle Paul begins by saying that his apostleship is not something that is by men, but it is of God that he is called to be an apostle. And uh, we find here that he speaks of uh, verse number four, the fact that God gave him his son to die in our place for our sins. But notice he says in verse number 4 that he might deliver us from this present evil world. And so we're living in days, and I, this is no, nothing new, nothing that you're going to sit there this afternoon and be like, oh, I didn't know that, Pastor. But it really wouldn't take much for us to look around and realize that we are living in a world, in a time where the only way to describe it is that our world is evil. Uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, that is changing morality. And it's amazing to me to see how quickly the decline into depravity is accelerating and the speed with which morals are being tossed out the window and men and women are holding to things that I would have thought I would have never seen in my lifetime. And so we live, no doubt, in a very evil world. And the Bible teaches that Christ came to deliver us from this present evil world. And so there's a a purpose that uh, the coming of Christ as our Savior has right now in this world, not just in the fact that he's covered our sins with his own blood, he's forgiven us, he's allowed us to place our faith and trust in him for uh, eternal life, but there is also victory that he gives to overcome the world that we live in today. We read in the earlier service the greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And the fact that we have the opportunity to have the power of Christ revealed in us in this present and evil world. We don't have to succumb to uh, the the worldliness that is going on. Uh, we can be a peculiar people, a, a, a people that are separated unto good works. We can be a people that uh, understand the concept of holy living. And we can be a people who can... Proclaim the the, the name of Christ and share the gospel with a loving and a caring spirit and yet still give ourselves to the pursuit of holiness and godly living. And so Christ gives us that power. We go on as we look in verse number 6 that Paul marvels at the church of Galatia. And he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And he makes a contrast here between the gospel, which is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ being offered to us his death, burial, and resurrection, the fact that we have salvation by faith alone and not of works, and that it's God's grace. By the way, can I say this just in passing for a moment, that many of the uh, other groups of folks that are out there that are in doctrinal error stumble at the concept of grace. Uh, anyone that believes in works salvation or believes that you have to work or earn your way to, uh, to heaven uh, has a difficult time understanding the concept of grace. They, they can't realize and, and understand how simple the Christian faith is. They believe that that's just too easy. There's got to be something more to it. And so sometimes when we have opportunities to share the gospel, uh, to expound the grace of God to somebody and explain that to them and and, uh, emphasize that concept that it is by God's unmerited favor that he offers to us as sinners that this salvation becomes available to us, that it's by his grace that it saves us, not of our works. And uh, so we find that Paul speaks of this, and he says that, the, the church at Galatia had been removed from this grace of Christ unto another gospel, a gospel that did not teach the grace of God. And he says that, that it wasn't another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And so he then talks about, uh, though we are an angel from heaven, we quoted that in the last service, were to preach anything else than the gospel that they had already preached unto them, the Bible says, let him be accursed. And then we get to verse number 10. And this is our message this morning, uh, this afternoon. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. I want to start on this verse, if you don't mind, with bear with me for a moment. We're going to start at the end of the verse and work our way backwards through it. And the first thing I want us to learn from this is the position that we are to have as a Christian in Christ. We know that we are saved and we are a child of God. There's no doubt about that. We know that we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we've been adopted into his family and we become now uh, sons of God. And we become, the Bible says, joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. That to me is an amazing thing. That's something as a Christian we can rejoice in. Amen that we have the same uh, availability to God the Father as the Lord Jesus Christ himself does. We have the same promises, the same uh, resources available to us that the Lord Jesus Christ has, (coughs) and we are joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. (coughs) But I want you to notice, (coughs) excuse me. (coughs) Jonathan, could you get me a bottle of water, or Reagan, one of you, could you go get me a bottle of water? (coughs) It says in verse number 10 as we get to the end of the chapter, that one of the positions we have in Christ is as a servant. And, and some of us would look at a phrase like that and think, boy, that's, that's kind of demeaning. That's, that's kind of a, a position of lower estate. I mean, I'm a joint heir of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a, a child of His. Why, why would it be so important that I take on the title or the position of a servant of Christ? And yet the fact of the matter holds true that being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ is one of the greatest positions and honors that we have. And I never cease to be amazed at this, that God would look at somebody as sinful and as unworthy as you and I have been in our past, that he would not only love us enough to save us from our sin, but that he would allow us the great honor and the great privilege to accomplish His work in this life. I don't know if that amazes anybody else in here besides me, but when I know what I was, and and if you're fair with yourself and you look back at what you were, the fact that God is willing to use us to accomplish His divine and eternal and supernatural work in this world is an amazing truth to me. Paul starts out the chapter... Saying, I'm an apostle. But by the time he gets to verse number 10, he says, I'm a servant. This position of being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ is something that ought to be very very special to us. (coughs) Something that we don't do out of obligation. We don't do it out of the fact that we feel like we have to. But we do it because what a great privilege it is that we can serve a God that has loved us and done the things for us that he has done. And so Paul talks about this, that that the goal, the the thing that we look toward, that we look up to, is to have this position of being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting to me, when Paul first got saved, he began to speak of himself as a, a, a sinner, And there was no doubt about it. He knew that he was a sinner that was saved by the grace of God. As he goes on through his letters, and chronologically you go later in his ministry, about the middle of his ministry, he says that he was a great sinner and and began to realize how unworthy he had been. And then by the end of his ministry, just before he went and was called home to heaven, he referred to himself as the chiefest of sinners. We begin, as we walk with God and we begin to serve Him and do things for the Lord that we know He wants us to do, we begin to see how special it is that He would choose us to accomplish His work. That's a great truth. I I look at that and I don't understand it. That, That to me is like salvation. I don't understand salvation. Why would He love me enough to send His Son to die on a cross for my sin? And even if He did love me enough to do that and give me a home in heaven for eternity and forgive me of my sin... Why in the world would he allow me, being what I have been in my life, to be his ambassador, to be his servant, to accomplish his work in this world? Now, looking at this and looking at this position that we have in Christ of being his servant, and it's not a demeaning thing. It's not something we look at and say, boy, that's the lowest of the low. This is something that we can take and say, boy, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I rejoice that I can be a servant of God. We look at this position that we have in Christ, and I want you to notice that there's a couple things that we need to consider in this position. We find them here in verse number 10. uh, 10. There's a a distinction uh, behind our service, and there are some that, uh, according to this verse, are serving God, but their motivation and their goal and their purpose and what dictates how they serve God is how men perceive them. Or we could word it this way they try to persuade or please men. I've heard people say this before you can please uh, some people, uh, but you're not going to please all people all the time. And there are those that go around, and that seems to be all they're after in ministry. They're, they're trying to uh, get people to look at them and brag on them and talk about them and lift them up. There are people that go around and they do a work for the Lord and they go around just almost, uh, I, I don't know if you've seen them or not or, or met somebody like this or not, but they go around almost apologetic at how much, oh, I've just done so much for the Lord, you know. And I'm, and, and they want you to, to think, boy, that they, this person must really... Be doing an awful lot for the Lord. And what they're looking for is for the approval or the pleasure of men on their ministry and on their service. The message this afternoon is a simple message, and it's just one thought, and that is this Who are we trying to please? The, the position of servant is, is phenomenal. The fact that we have the privilege to serve Him, the fact that we have the opportunity to go to a world, a lost and dying world, and share the gospel is an amazing thing. But in doing that, the question this afternoon is, who are we trying to please? Who are we trying to please? When we go out that door, we knock on somebody's door, we meet somebody at a gas pump, perhaps we're buying groceries and we talk to them across the counter. Are we doing those things so that men will look at us and say, boy, that's a good soul winner right there. Are we doing those things so men will look at us and say, boy, they sure serve the Lord. I wish I could serve the Lord like they do. Or are we saying, you know what, I really don't, I really am not concerned with what men think. I'm very much concerned with what the Lord Jesus Christ thinks. Am I trying to persuade men or am I trying to persuade God? In the way that I live, my testimony, the, 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 uh, trying to, to live a life that is pleasing and honoring and glorifying to God, Is it because I'm worried about my testimony to him and what he'll think? Or is it because I'm worried about what everybody else might think that's in the church? And Paul makes a distinction here. He he speaks here of, of these folks that have been removed from the gospel that had been preached to them. The gospel of grace. They were making an error in their doctrine... And he gets over to this thing of serving God and he says that there's got to be a distinction here too. Who are we trying to please? Are we serving God simply so men can look at us and say, boy, there's a great Christian? Or are we serving God because we worry about what God is going to say about us? There is going to come a time, Miss June was asking me after the service just a little bit ago, she said, you know, Sometimes preachers preach on uh, the, the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says that our sins, when we get saved and ask forgiveness of our sins, that they're parted as far as the east is from the west and buried in the deepest sea, never to be remembered again. And yet some people preach that the judgment seat of Christ is a judgment for our sin. And the truth of that, we find, is that it's not about our sin. It's about our works and what we have done in this life, whether we suffer reward or suffer loss of reward. And so certainly Christ is not going to remember those things. But when we get to heaven, are we concerned more with what man has thought about us during the time that we've spent here? Or when we stand at that judgment seat of Christ, do we think, Lord, I want to have all the rewards I can have? Because there's going to come a point where I get the privilege to stand before my God and take every reward I've ever gotten and lay them at his feet. Man, the joy of that. Who am I trying to please? We're putting an emphasis and we're, we're spending time training on soul winning. And I, I want us to have an emphasis on soul winning this year. Because I want us to see people saved. I'm burdened that people are dying and going to hell. I want us to do well with it. I want us to be committed to it. I I want us to go out on Saturdays. And I want us, as we have opportunity during the week, to to share the gospel with people. But folks, I I, I pray so hard, and I've I've made mention of this to several people, that this just not be something where we're going through the motions where we're trying to do this thing and trying to get the approval of men and say, boy, look at that church or look at those people. It's not about somebody saying, well, they shared the gospel with 50 people this week. But boy, if we could see 50 people trust Christ as their Savior, wouldn't that be amazing? Not because we want man to say, boy, there's a great soul winner," but because there's 50 souls that are no longer on their way to hell, they're now on their way to heaven. Are we trying to please men or are we trying to please God? So Paul talks to the church at Galatia and he makes this statement, verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? And then this is the statement he makes. If I yet, for if I yet pleased men, if this is my goal, I should not be this great position that he's given to us. I should not be the servant of God. I shouldn't be that. If all I'm after is trying to please men, then whose servant am I? I'm man's servant, aren't I? So the message this afternoon is just one thought. Who are we trying to please? Our motive in serving God is important. Not just the fact that we serve Him, but the fact that we're trying to please Him. The fact that we're trying to honor him, the fact that one day we're hoping to hear the words, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." I was in college, and we had a (laughs) we had a professor in Bible college. He had been saved out of a rough background. In fact, his dad had worked for the mob, and uh, rough had come from a very rough background. Loved the Lord. Uh, went on later on to pastor a church. <clears throat> I remember sitting in his classroom and he would talk about sometimes uh, some of the college students that would make decisions and, and do certain things that sometimes would get them in trouble. And they would do that because they were worried what other people were going to think about them. I remember in the, in class one day he was teaching us fellas that we really don't need to be concerned with what men think think of us. This professor was a pretty interesting fella, pretty colorful personality. He always wore nice suits to class and taught in them, nice shirt and tie. Always carried a bottle of orange juice and drank his orange juice while we were in class, while he was teaching. I remember he was talking about this saying, you know, Don't worry what men think about you. And he took a sip out of his orange juice when he said that. And it dribbled out of the side of his mouth and leaked down his tie and left a big stain on his tie. And I remember this as clear as it happened yesterday. A couple of guys in the room started chuckling at that. And he looked at those boys as serious as he could be. And he said, do you really think that what I'm trying to teach you right now, that I'm really worried about this tie? He said, do you really think that I'm worried about what you think of me? He said, this is how much I worry about that. He held his expensive tie out, took that whole bottle of orange juice and dumped it all over the tie and taught the rest of the hour that way. And I, we, we, we looked at that. I'll never forget it because he was so sincere in doing that. He wasn't laughing. He was trying to make a point. I really am not worried what students in my class think of me. What I'm worried about at the end of the day is what does God think of me? Have I sought to please Him? Have I served Him because I'm trying to please Him? Or am I worried about what other people are going to say? I just want to leave that thought with you this afternoon because I believe that there's a danger in emphasizing serving God, and preaching on serving God, that people will begin to think that, boy, I I better serve God because other people are looking at me, and if I don't, they'll know. It doesn't matter what people think. What matters is what does God think. Am I doing what God wants me to do? He's given me the great privilege to be His servant. And by the way, that is a privilege. Am I trying to please him with that? Or am I worried about what other people think? I just want to leave that thought with you this afternoon. Let's stand together. Father, we're thankful for your word. I pray that you'd help us throughout this day as we have put a lot of emphasis recently on serving you with our lives. Lord, lest we run away with our minds and our hearts on this issue of serving. Lest our motives be wrong and we begin to get this idea that if I don't serve openly and show people that I'm serving, then they may think ill of me as a Christian. Lord, I pray that you would help us to shun those ideas and those thoughts. Because, Father, there is only one person that we're trying to please in our service, and that is you. I pray that you would help us to pursue after that with all of our hearts, we will long to please you with our service. Father, I pray that you'll dismiss us with your blessings. We thank you for the day you've given and the time that we've been able to spend in fellowship around your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit will move us and will keep the messages on our hearts today as we go through our day. Lord, a lot of events going on tonight It'll be very easy to become so consumed and enamored with the things that this world is doing that we will get through on the other side of it and realize that we've all but forgotten what was spoken of here today in church. So, Father, help us to hold to them. Help us to remember them. And then, Father, dismiss us. Give us safety as we leave. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.